0: You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is Served.
1: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Justice is Served. I am your host, Chelsea Galicia, a freelance workers' compensation attorney, and today I am joined by a special guest host, Shaka Smith. Welcome to the show. A little bit about Shaka. He comes from Miami, went to college at Princeton, fancy, (laughs) and law school in D.C. before he moved out to L.A. to pursue acting and uh, fitness modeling in his uh, time in law school, he was with the public defender's office, and then also I understand you've done some healthcare law and natural gas law, areas of law that I have no idea <laughs> about, so it's great for you to be here and provide your perspective. Thank you so much, and welcome.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: All righty. So we've got some interesting stories for you today, starting with the I, I saw her refer to uh, Twitter hashtag, AntFromHell. Yeah. So can you imagine if your aunt sued you because you Your hug was too enthusiastic.
2: And I was 8 years old. Yeah, that was a crazy, crazy case.
1: Um, Yeah, we got a 54-year-old woman from New York who is suing her nephew. He is now 11, but at the time he was 8 years old, when she showed up to his birthday party, he got all excited to see her, was like, Aunt Jen, Aunt Jen, and then leaped at her. Uh, I guess he weighed about 50 pounds, and that caused the aunt and the boy to tumble to the floor and she broke her wrist.
2: Mm-hmm. He did what you're supposed to do when you're an eight-year-old kid and that you is see your head so <laughs> yeah. adorable.
1: Yeah, so then now she is suing for that broken wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, the amount. $127,000 is what she was going after. Uh, I didn't say anything about lost wages or anything. Her claim for, for damages was Equally ridiculous as filing this claim in the first place. Yeah. Uh, which one was your favorite reason why she filed this?
2: Oh, I love that she couldn't hold the hors d'oeuvres at a party that she was at, and yeah. that was why. <laughs> right, and that she lives
1: in a in a crowded building or something, yeah. and so it. I, I don't know what a crowded building has to do with <laughs> her wrist, but two really besides the fact that you're suing your own nephew, no ridiculous. Re- so it seems to me that there has to be something going on behind the scenes with this family that well were... I
2: did just see an update um, so this is in her defense um, she's saying that the Connecticut law required her to sue um, essentially what I just read was she had medical bills she had two surgeries and she, she's on track for a third and in Connecticut you must sue the person that caused the injury so she couldn't go after the insurance homeowner's insurance apparently homeowner's insurance just offered her a dollar and so she then had to sue the nephew. So I don't know if I'm buying it because the story came out after she got the big backlash from social media. And um, so I don't know if I buy it, but that's her, her excuse now.
1: So you have to sue your nephew, your eight-year-old nephew, for negligence. And you have to, mm-hmm. with a straight face, say that an eight-year-old was out of line to jump. Yeah. Is that what the case is? I mean, because when you're claiming negligence, you're saying that somebody has a standard of care that they owe, and that they violated that, or that they breached that, and then there were damages caused. Yeah. So, I mean, but in her her attorneys have have said, you know, she loves her nephew, but he needs to know, like right from wrong, or he wrong, or he needs to learn his lesson. So it doesn't it didn't say. This was a necessary oh, yeah. evil that had to be done, and I really don't want him to be punished. And if he did need to be punished for this, I don't know, aggressive hug, that you can talk to the 8-year-old and say you hurt people and not sue him for $100,000 plus.
2: Yeah, I would have liked to see them actually come after the homeowner's insurance or the law regarding it rather than suing your own nephew. So I, th- I think it's a little bit of an excuse. I mean, it
1: makes people lose faith in the legal system when this is the kind of case that we're hearing about although hopefully your faith is restored by the six jury members who came back within half an hour and found that the kid was not negligent. Poor kid was just sitting there in court he's now like 12.
2: Yeah and his mother passed away. Yeah
1: Yeah. poor guy he's confused he's sitting there with his dad his mom is not there because she died last year. How terrible. I I really hope that there's some sort of explanation that we hear from the aunt because this is really uh, unexplainable unless what you're saying is true or there's something else going on behind the scenes. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say Even about this Even if it were women. true,
2: she shouldn't have sued her nephew. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I
1: think, uh, I mean, the fact that the jury did not come back in her favor is, is bad enough, but I think there's going to be worse karma that comes from this. Um, so, I guess, good luck to her. And, uh, let's move on to uh, the James Blake uh, case. Yeah. So, this was Um, The situation where the retired tennis star was standing in front of a hotel room in New York, a a hotel, not room, but on a public sidewalk in front of a hotel, and a plainclothes officer just comes and tackles him. The
2: video was remarkable. Did you see the video? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. just comes
1: out of nowhere, (laughs) and he's just down, wrestling him down, uh, arrests him, and... Because it turns out that there was somebody that the police said looks similar to him that was involved in some fraud that they were pursuing in the area. Credit and card
2: fraud. No weapons were alleged. No no violence was alleged. And this was the way the officer decided to proceed.
1: Fascinating. I mean, yeah. that, 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 that there are officers for the union coming up to say, well, this was just a case of... Um, uh, mistaken identity. identity. But even if that was really the guy...
2: That's not the way you would proceed.
1: Because he was supposedly uh, guilty of some credit card fraud and not some having a weapon or being a physical threat.
2: Like outside of a hotel on his phone. Yeah, he's not.
1: So, uh, I mean, in a not-so-shocking turn of events, a civilian review board has found that there was excessive force. Absolutely. Um, So the Civilian Complaint Review Board said what we all knew. Mm -hmm. But was there anything about what they did or said that was surprising to you?
2: Um, Not really, but I think it hopefully leads to a broader conversation on whether race had, you know... um any any play involved? Because would he done, would he have done that if it was a misidentified white individual?
1: That's a good question. And
2: so that's something I think that's um, that needs to be talked about.
1: I thought it was interesting how quickly this investigation was completed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, comparatively to I guess the average, they said it's like eighty days, and they did this in within thirty. And so I think having James Blake, um, his name tied to it, and obviously having the video that was so clearly <laughs> you know arresting, if yeah. You will.
1: So what's next for this guy is he faces an internal trial within the police department, Mm -hmm. and even though this review board has said he used excessive force, that's not by itself enough to...
2: warrant anything.
1: Right. So the review board suggested that he be suspended or dismissed, and ultimately it's up to Commissioner Bratton, and I am really curious to see whether he'll make an example out of this guy by going really harsh or not. I think that this is... Sorry for this guy, but it's a little bit of a PR opportunity or nightmare yeah, depending absolutely. on the way that he plays it. And this guy's, this officer's career is going to be used to hopefully uh, defer uh, for people to not do this again. Yeah,
2: And I believe that he had actually had some complaints against him in the past for use of excessive force.
1: And that's another difficult part about this is that mm. those records, internal personnel records, records are not released to the the, public. And so this could be another aspect that the public can get involved about and start demanding is that when public complaints are made against officers, that that be made public information. of the
2: investigations. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Right. So uh, whether um, Commissioner Bratton will use this to try and deter other officers from engaging this uh, behavior will be seen probably shortly. Do you have a suspicion as to whether the, the commissioner will fire him, or whether he'll keep him on.
2: Well, I, I mean, I suspect he'll he'll be suspended. I suspect he'll be suspended. I don't think he'll be fired. When I, the police departments, they tend to close ranks, and you know, even from the union side, you see some of the story statements they make regarding um, their officers yeah. and how how closely they protect them. So I do think he'll be suspended because the case has gotten so much national news. But I, I don't think he'll be fired. But you know, we'll see what happens there.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Either way, there's going to be huge reaction. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll follow up on that. Uh, Now turning to a word from our sponsor, DraftKings, who is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. You play, right? Yeah, absolutely. So they uh, doing one week at a time means there's there's no season-long commitments. And if you have an injured player, it is no problem. You can swap them out because every week is like a new season. And DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. So you could turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. All you got to do is pick up your players, your points, and then your cash. You've never seen fantasy like this this is not fantasy as usual this is draftkings welcome to the big time so now here's the thing you've got to hurry to king uh draftkings.com and use a promo code black to play for free at the shot of the 1 million dollars in this week's millionaire maker event so again that's black for entry now at draftkings.com all right so now this is a little awkward because we're going to cover a story about DraftKings yeah. being sued. Chaka, <laughs> can you explain this because you're much more knowledgeable about whatever is going on with these people?
2: Well, yeah, we had DraftKings and we have another website called FanDuel and um, their competitors, both doing fantasy sports. Um, an employee um, at DraftKings went and played on FanDuel and won $375,000. At, at the same time, he'd released some proprietary information. So the question is whether or not this proprietary information helped him on the FanDuel's website. What this employee had was a roster. He had how many players are on the most rosters. So by by having that with these different websites, you split money amongst all the people that do well. So if you know which players are on the least rosters and you use them and they have a good week, your payout's going to be a lot bigger because you are not splitting it amongst a greater amount of the pool. Gotcha. And so um, this guy made $325,000 in one week. And is this insider trading? Like,
1: that's what it sort of feels like. Yeah, absolutely. So this guy wasn't allowed to play on for his own employer. No. It wasn't DraftKings. Yeah. He played for the competitor. Yeah. Were there any rules at the time prohibiting that?
2: And there were no rules for FanDuel or for DraftKings prohibiting their employees from playing on another competitor's website.
1: All right. So, but now they're saying that's not kosher anymore and yeah. they're barring their employees from from playing elsewhere. So this guy who, uh, there's a guy who has sued. He wants to have a class action against DraftKings for allowing this to happen. Do you think that the steam of that guy's case has been taken out because DraftKings has taken it upon itself to fix the problem that led to this?
2: No, I I still think it warrants um, review. And I think you have, you look at the FTC and they look at a lot of online gaming and I think now this is an an area they need to take a stronger look at, because if you're stacking the deck, and you know some people allege that employees were encouraged to play on the opponent's website. So whether or not that's like sort of a bonus in of itself for their employees and to attract talent is another question. So I think it needs to be looked at. I don't think it'll lose steam because I think it's a very big issue. You have Major League Baseball, who I believe owns, um, I want to say part of DraftKings or a major equity stakeholder. And as a baseball player or any um, professional player, you cannot bet on any game whether or not it's related to what you're doing or if you have information on it. And I think that needs to be the same for these online gaming companies.
1: Yeah, and I thought for a second that this kind of story would hurt uh, DraftKings, but you're telling me that it actually boosted the numbers.
2: (laughs) Well, I think there's a lot of people that don't even know about DraftKings and FanDuel. So um, both websites, they actually got more participation this past Sunday after the scandal. So, at the end of the day, it's a scandal but looks like it helped all parties involved.
1: All right. Okay, so now we got to follow up on one of the tragic cases that we have covered, the story of Walter Scott. You'll remember this was the gentleman in uh North Charleston, South Carolina who was pulled over by an officer, Slager. Uh Slager went back to his car to uh, Run probably plates, and during that time, Walter Scott jumped out of the car and ran. It looks like he was perhaps afraid that he was going to be arrested for an outstanding um, child support-related w- warrant, and he ran away. And from many feet away, from not in any way appearing to be a threat to the officer, Slager. Uh, shot him eight times and killed him and then walked by his body and dropped the taser so now the city of uh, North Charleston has approved a an award for the family of 6.5 million dollars so is that a fair amount is this justice?
2: Yeah I think it's a fair amount I think we've seen some past awards Freddie Gray 6.4 um, Eric Garner 5.9 I think it's a fair amount it, it, it's sort of heartwarming in a way to see that justice is served in this particular um, case. Um, it's hard to watch when you see someone get shot running away. It's hard to watch an officer that you're supposed to trust dropping a taser. Um I- so reprehensible, but it looks like, at least in this case, with the Money Damages Award, they got it right.
1: Yeah. Uh, the family's very sweet. They're donating some of the uh, the money to help with victims of the flooding. Uh, there is also still the trial of the officer who faces you know, life for murder charges, yeah. essentially.
2: And let's highlight, you should never run away from an officer. You should follow their rules. They're, they're generally there to help. Um, I think there needs to be some healing, I think, countrywide with regards to how we view officers and how officers view us, people, black people, all people.
1: Absolutely. And
2: um, hopefully this this case will kind of further that, that healing and that discussion.
1: Yeah, totally agree. All right, and uh, finally, let's cover this really interesting case where a Confederate flag group, they're called Respect the Flag, uh, paraded down the street past a birthday party Mm -hmm. Uh, so I saw the video and it was like probably six or seven raised pickup trucks I forget that there are people in America (laughs) who still think that's cool with these big old flags, some the American flag, the confederate flag and they're driving by one at a time yelling out the window and some of them apparently stopped and showed guns and crowbars which um, people at this birthday party saw as threats. Yeah. So then, the uh, state of Georgia has indicted, a grand jury has indicted 15 of these uh, Confederate flag supporters using a law that's an anti-gang law.
2: Yeah.
1: So, was this, you think, how this law was intended to be used, or was this some creative use uh, that we like or that we don't like?
2: Well, what I think is kind of heartwarming about the story, I think this law in 1992 in Georgia was passed to really target African-American gangs. And I think that they were a problem at the time. Um, but what I do like is that today this law is, they're using the law to prevent the same type of harm, but it just happens to be against a group that supports a Confederate flag that's not, an Afri- Afri- that's not an African-American group. Yeah. So I think what's important is that this this actually went beyond race it went to a harm that was caused in the community and whether or not it targeted one group or the, the next group it was about the harm being caused yes. and so i like that they were able to use um this gang terrorism law and able to and able to prosecute um this group that i mean to go by a child's birthday party brandishing guns and crowbars um i think this is exactly the type of harm the law was designed to prevent and i think it's doing its job
1: yeah absolutely this is uh, the. The grand jury cited Georgia's Street Gang Terrorism and Prevention Act. This was probably not at all what the authors of this act had in mind when they passed this in the early 90s, but it is great to see that they are using the laws to keep up with the times and the problems that are facing all people and not just the ones that were in their minds, victims at the time of this law passing. So, yeah. uh, kudos to Georgia for yeah. uh, for creative use of this law.
2: Yeah, I think because a law might disproportionately affect um, a minority group if it's doing so not based on that reason. You know, if it's doing so to prevent a harm regardless of race, yeah. I think we're in good territory.
1: I, I, I can. I'm wondering though what the people who were in the legislature in Georgia <laughs> at that time are thinking now because. You know, Georgia's not generally
2: known to be,
1: you know, out for civil rights protection. And yeah. they did not have this in mind when they yeah. they passed this law. So, uh, fascinating turn of events for those people. Yeah. And, geesh, just like that, we are through every story. Thank you so much, Shaka, for being here. Absolutely. We hope that you come back and join us next week. Please make sure that you tweet Chelsea Galicia and
2: Shaka Strong
1: your thoughts and opinions on the stories that we covered today. We'll see you next time.